This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. New Jersey environmental regulators released a new major flood rule last week that's meant to protect communities by requiring construction builders to better prepare for extreme weather. And while the rule is far from final and won't take effect until sometime next year, there's a major exemption in the proposal that's alarming environmentalists. The proposed regulation includes a carve-out for one of the state's largest builders, the New Jersey Department of Transportation. And that exemption highlights a balancing act many states may face moving forward as they look to impose regulations to limit climate change impacts while also recognizing construction demands. So today we check in with Politico's Rye Rivard about how construction and green interests are colliding in New Jersey and how similar fights may play out across the country. It's Thursday, November 3rd. So, Rye, can you break down this new flood rule from New Jersey's Democratic Governor Phil Murphy? What problem is it aiming to address? Yeah, these are inland flood rules. So they're meant to address flooding not along the coast. So near a river, call it fluvial, whatever you want to call it, non-tidal. These have been in the works since 2020. COVID, I think, sort of held up the release of some of them. And then there was some politics earlier this year that also held up their release. But this is part of a much larger package of flood rules that would address things all across the state, but these are mostly focused on a river and flooding inland. Right. And you report that the rule actually has a major carve out for the Department of Transportation as Murphy is trying to balance construction interests and environmental concerns. So can you tell us about that carve out and why industry is pushing for it? Yeah. So the state is set to get hundreds of millions, billions of dollars from the bipartisan infrastructure law. And the State Department of Transportation, if they had to deal with these two new rules, would have to go back to the drawing board on some number of projects. We're not really clear on how many projects, but um, some number of projects. Because the, the inland flood rule does two things. It raises elevation standards for construction projects, and it requires engineers to account for more intense rainfall. And so the construction industry, labor too, is worried that if you know, you have to restart the permitting process on things that have been engineered over the past couple of years, been out for public comment, where there's been right-of-ways purchased or planned. This would just delay any possibility of spending infrastructure money for quite a while. Right. And then on the flip side, this rule is inviting criticism from environmental advocates. So what are they saying? Well, you know, one of the reasons that we are Dealing with this rule is because there has been more intense flooding in New Jersey on the coast during Sandy, but also along rivers, which is what this specific part of this rule is supposed to address. So when Hurricane Ida, the remnants of Hurricane Ida hit last year, 30 people died in New Jersey. Many of them died in their cars. And environmental advocates are saying, you know, if you're going to build a bunch of new roads, they should be built so that people don't die in their cars when they're on them. This balancing of interests in general, I mean, how might we see these tensions play out across the country as states try to better prepare for extreme weather? It seems like this is kind of a familiar story. Yeah, here the politics have been, I think, exacerbated by the time elements of the new money coming from the infrastructure law. There has also been impatience with the Murphy administration and the Department of Environmental Protection because they've been working on these rules for so long. 
earlier this year, the Department of Environmental Protection thought about releasing these rules on an emergency basis, which would have meant that they would have taken effect immediately and there would have been no sort of grandfather clause. There would have been no time for people to rush and get their projects permitted before the rules took effect. And that was politically untenable for Governor Murphy and the emergency rule wasn't released. So these are going to be released through a sort of normal process. There's going to be months of public comment and debate, and they wouldn't take effect uh, until, you know, sometime in 2023. When it comes to the tension over extreme weather and construction, I mean, I think, you know, we're still thinking in New Jersey about Hurricane Sandy, which hit about 10 years ago, and we're still thinking about Ida, which hit a year and change ago. And both of those storms, one was a big coastal storm, one was a lot of inland flooding, both killed, you know, a lot of people. And there was rebuilding or talk of rebuilding. And these rules are meant to say, if you're going to rebuild in a place that's going to flood, you need to think about designing for that flood. Also, according to new data released on Wednesday from the American Clean Power Association, renewable energy growth fell to its lowest level in three years in the third quarter. The group said the drop-off was because of rising costs, supply chain disruptions, and the lack of solar panels due to the lingering trade fight over equipment imports from Asia. However, the group also noted the drop-off could be temporary, as the industry hopes to see domestic activity benefit from Democrats' recently passed climate law. That law provides generous long-term subsidies to help the U.S. reach President Joe Biden's goal of eliminating carbon emissions from the power sector by 2035. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.